Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitfall in Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the match that we'll be getting into this week is 2013's American Hustle versus 1997's Jackie Brown. Uh, I've got on my notes, how are we doing today? But obviously, just two of us, Keenan. Yeah, as, as you may have come to expect. Yeah, I mean, big week next week. Um, good fellas on the podcast. Uh, I mean, it's going to be like a cup final, isn't it? The, the, the people want to turn up for uh, good fellas at home, but they don't want to turn up for uh, Jackie Brown away. Um, <laughs> just how these things work. I'm excited to watch good fellas again. No, yeah. 30 minutes see. or less on a rainy Tuesday night. Not everyone has that in the locker. No, exactly. Got to put the hard yards in. Exactly. And but it, I do feel this. I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same. The fact that we've got so many films in uh, this season, it does feel bigger when you get to a film that you particularly like because you can have longer in between. Yeah. Although actually, I thought this in the last. I thought this last time up because there were so many of them. I didn't want to watch. It was nice when you come to one. You're like, oh, looking forward <laughs> yeah, to this. Yeah, well, we'll start with American Hustle. Um, the synopsis: A con man, Irving Rosenfeld, along with his seductive partner Sidney Prosser is forced to work for a wild FBI agent, Richard DiMarzo, who pushes them into a world of Jersey power brokers and the mafia. Critics' reviews, what do you think they'll think? They'll be, I think they'll like it. Here we go. I'd be just as entertained watching these people move along their normal daily lives. Whatever scheme they're a part of is really just icing on the cake. Is that good it feels like... thing? Go on. Is that, a... is that meant as a compliment? I think so. Yeah, they're saying that, these characters are interesting it, enough. So that's fine. I didn't know if it was just like it's that bad that I might as well be uh, watching. Might, might as well be watching them do the dishes. So sorry, I've been a long well, week. Uh, we've been a long week. Mate. We do do that for some of it. To be fair, um, no, I know, but it feels like an interesting exercise. A chance for Russell and his cast to dress up and have fun now that none of them really have anything left to prove. The cast in this is nuts. Like when it you scroll good. down on IMDb, like you're far further down than you would normally be before you see someone that perhaps you wouldn't recognise. Yeah, it's true. To make, um, make a good point, like David O'Russell at this point, do you remember that was just the time where he was just the big thing? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I particularly loved uh, Silver Linings playbook that he did. As uh, Never seen it. I'm not sure it's your type of film, to be honest. Oh, okay it's a bit, it's a bit soppy. Uh, I, I think I, I think I might have watched it on a hangover. I was getting quite emotional actually. Let me shed that to you. There's a phase where essentially he just put like uh, Bradley Cooper and uh, Jennifer Lawrence in a film. Jennifer and it Lawrence and like everything they did. Mm-hmm. He's got American Hustle, Silver Linings Playbook, and Joy back to back to back with Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This run that you spoke about. I mean, he, he does the Fighter before Silver Linings Playbook. Do you like that? Uh, I've only seen it once, um, but I don't. I don't think I disliked it. Mm, okay, I wasn't. I don't know. 
it was it was okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, it's not one that I remember much about. I just I just feel like I'd remember if I didn't like it. Basically, I would have liked. I don't know. Essentially, I would have liked it to be more about Mickey Ward than less about the documentary made about his brother being yeah. on crack. Yeah. That's, That's why I was excited for the. He, he was talking about him coming back and doing number two about the the fight to a guy. And I was really excited, but it never seemed to come about it. Three Kings no. as well, by the way. Todd said that on the pod the other week. Get a chance, watch yeah. it. Yeah, he does that. 99, then Fight of 2010, Silver Lance Playbook 2012, American Hustle 2013. Yeah, hell of a run. And then he's had, what, 2015 onwards pretty much off um, from directing. Yeah, I think he's he, he, he'd done a bit and he'd made enough. He was probably happy. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got it. Okay. A slickly paced con game that's so frenetically enjoyable, it'll fool you into believing it's even more substantial than it really is. So I think they're trying to say all glam there and uh, not so much substance. Mm. Um, there's never a dull moment in American Hustle and the pieces all fit together. At the end, a lot of the people on screen have been hustled, but the viewers are all richly rewarded. This could be a whole new genre of our critics' reviews, the ones that just put these cheap puns in the middle that are as obvious as anything else. Maybe. Maybe. Um, The movie is great. It's interesting without being heavy, smart without being pretentious, and entertaining without being solicitous. So there you go. Mainly, mostly positive. I do remember there being quite a lot of fuss behind this at the time. I was thinking this. I actually, I thought like, this week, mate. To be honest, I remember yeah. this being people being very happy, like being being excited about this. Yeah, I remember going to see it at the cinema and feeling like this was a big one to be going to see. Mm. Just because I, I I won't want to waste time on it next week, really. But um, I've done my notes already for next week's podcast, and some of these critics that are slagging off uh, Goodfellas clearly like they're trying to make a name for themselves and I'm going to keep an eye out to see if I see their names pop up again because some of them are, are, are so bad like there's there's ones talking about like a, a lack of attention to detail and substance and things in Goodfellas and it's like when the reviews like 2020 it's like you definitely just come on here just to try and cause a bit of attention there's no other reason to be doing this Attention, lack of attention to detail. Yeah, we'll save it for next week. I've got some. Yeah. I've, got, I've got some thoughts on the film, as you may have. Well, I, yeah, I essentially just didn't want to waste it on negativity next week. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm have to talk about it as it is. Mm. Um, there's a, uh, not too much trivia um, this week, but I will run you through it. So, according to Christian Bale, much of the movie was improvised. So during the shooting of the film, he noted to writer and director David O. Russell, you realise this is going to change the plot greatly down the track, to which Russell replied, Christian, I hate plots. I'm all about the characters, and that's it. I imagine the people that wrote the screenplay probably don't feel the same. <laughs> no. Oh, um, he was. I didn't realise he was actually one of the writers. So, meh. Less important. Done his bit. Um, tied with The Irishman, Gangs of New York, and True Grit, the third highest number of Academy Award nominations with no wins. Ten it had. Jeez. Any of the actors get a little nod? I don't think so, but... If, if, you, haven't got it, if, you, if you haven't got it written, no. it's not important. I remember the trailer being um, 
much like if you look at the trailer for this House of Gucci film coming out, there's so many stars in it that they essentially go one on one off with um, Academy Award winner, Academy Award nominee, Academy yeah. Award winner nominee for like the whole like last 30 seconds of the trailer. And I remember this trailer being like that as well, where they were flexing their muscles, obviously, before you even see much. They didn't even have to show hardly anything in the trailer. I think they had some nice clips of uh, Bradley Cooper and Jeremy Renner in suits. And maybe yeah. they had that clip of uh, Jennifer Lawrence on all fours moving towards the camera, which I'm sure they got their money's worth within the trailer. Like There was very little you actually knew going in based on the early trailers, just because I yeah. guess they figured it doesn't really matter what this is about. You're going to come and see this anyway. Fair. Um, okay. Christian Bale revealed that in the scene where Irving is singing Delilah with Carmine, he chose to study footage of several Al Pacino classics. His hammed up, his hammed up singing and dancing is a result of this research. Pacino going to town. Pacino singing <laughs> Delilah would be quite something. <laughs> I think he sings in heat. Yeah. Not and a great voice. Uh, we're about six weeks away from that. Nice. In the early 1980s, French director Louis Mal was preparing a film of the Abscam story called Moon Over Miami um, from a script that he'd written with John Guare. Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi were set to star, with Belushi playing a con man and Aykroyd playing an FBI agent. Belushi's death in the March of 1982 stopped plans for the film. So... Your man Dan could have been in this. I I think that would have been awesome. It would have been a bit like the Blues Brothers. Which I've not seen. Guy, my work goes on about it every time I mention any kind of film. He compared it to Blues Brothers. Great film. We could have fit it into this bracket. That was the other thing I was saying. Oh, I was thinking about... Too late, um, too late now. Drill, but Taylor being in our bracket after we spoke about it last week. It is listed as a crime film on IMDb as well, if you can believe that. Uh, it's a shame we can't expand it. Well, we could, but we could no. just do Drobin Taylor versus the Blues Brothers, but we're at, <laughs> we're at a good number now. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Lawrence's penchant for snacking on Doritos on set caused her to stain and nearly ruin several dresses. The wardrobe <laughs> department compensated by making several duplicate dresses for her to use throughout the production, so she'd always have a clean one to wear. <laughs> That's a certain level of stardom where people don't just say, can you wash your hands? Like They're happy for you to just wipe it on your expensive costume yeah or you're you're legit being paid millions here can you not eat the reels for yeah. fucking four hours today do you know what I mean you, that's what I'd, I'd say if you remember there was a lot of controversy after this when there was those uh, leaks and it came out that Jennifer Lawrence had been paid significantly less than uh, a lot of the other co-stars uh, I don't remember that now but I assume she I that whilst that's not whilst that's not great and and such, but I mean, I assume she was still assume she still had enough money that you probably like, well, don't eat Doritos, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But if I if I go into work for tomorrow and one of the lads or ladies, one of the guys or girls that work for me, is sat doing their job, speaking to a customer, eating a packet of fucking Doritos, I'm gonna say, look, <laughs> you're, you're yeah. at work, maybe turn it in, and I can yeah. assure you that neither they nor I are earning what Jennifer Lawrence would earn for a film. No, this story felt to me like. Uh... Right after Hunger Games, probably just after Silver Linings Playbook, actually, where she won all the awards, there mm. was a big thing in this. The selling of Jennifer Lawrence was essentially 
she's one of us. She's so relatable. She has no filter. She likes to eat what she wants. She says what she wants. She drinks. And that story feels like something they would have shared on, say, like Jimmy Fallon or something to say, like mm. Jennifer Lawrence. She really is so relatable. One of the people. Uh, yeah, sorry. You're completely correct. But yeah, some, somewhat relatable. But even even I, uh, I take far uh, worse care of myself than she does. I'm, I'm not wiping my Doritos hands all over the clothes. Like, it's not too much to get out of bed or uh, the sofa or wherever I am. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Um, always have this because we always have the same uh, comments. Uh, Christian Bale put on £43 to play his character and shaved his head. Um, that sounds like my 2018, maybe. Um, his slouchiness and weight gain resulted in him herniating two of the discs in his spine. Ouch. I haven't done that, fortunately, but at some no. point I will have put on £43 and shaved my head, so <laughs> I know what he went through. Uh, and finally, it was Amy Adams' idea for Jennifer Lawrence to kiss her in the bathroom. Fair play. She had a whale of a time on this set. I know there was a bit of uh, trivia, which I, I thought I'd written down, where she essentially uh, read the script, had it all nailed down, came in on the first day, and what wasn't in the script, uh, she's just told by the director, you know what, I think your character was a stripper. How you? We'll film this today. You, that could be you? We'll, we'll film it today. And, yeah, she uh, said she had a few drinks, got her kit off and said, oh, yeah, she probably was a stripper, and uh, filmed the scene. Hmm. The costumes, obviously, were a massive part of this film. Um, in terms of just setting the scene and just how kind of OTT things are. If you Google anything about American Hustle, and I don't want to sound too piggish here, but it's a genuine talking point. Amy Adams' side boob is spoken about more than anything else when you Google this. But to the point where when we do our voting later, it, it could legitimately have an MVP shout. <laughs> there are articles on the internet if you just search American Hustle right, there's just things like uh, Amy Adams side boob steals the show Did I, is, do you, is, that, is that true? what whether it sold a show or no whether there's articles I've uh... American Hustle Amy Adams is very high on the search list her crying most days on set yeah. I mean, there was articles in Vanity Fair about her positioning, and I don't know, uh, I don't have to position my boobs, fortunately, so I don't know how difficult that is. But as no. I said, there's articles about her boob gap and the pay gap. So Amy Adams, a lot was being spoken about there. Hmm. Yeah, her crying on set's quite a, quite a big thing. Yeah. Hmm. I did actually um, note down my top five Hollywood redheads while watching American Hustle. Um, Isla Fisher, Jessica Chastain, TK, uh, Sophie Turner and Karen Gillan. So uh, TK is in a good company there. Yeah, the position we put him, um, we brought him forward to. Where would TK be on your list of uh, Hollywood redheads? Well, I certainly wouldn't be, unfortunately wouldn't be number one. (laughs) Top five? Mm, probably not. You're saying there's an argument to be made. Uh, I mean, he is brilliant, but 
it's not quite not, not quite for me shall we say there we go um so that is the uh, trivia i have in the film first question what did you think of the film uh it goes on it does it did uh in terms of long films that we've done on the podcast where are you uh ranking it upper echelons no above average but not yeah it's not not a seven or eight it, like i do uh, i do say it goes on that makes it sound as though i don't like it because that's not really one of my complaints but i enjoyed it oh it was quite I cool the cast is really, boss yeah the thing that really got me this time around was um i think this is my third time watching it i think i watched it oh. once after it came out i watched it in the cinema once afterwards and then now um and something which I picked up before, and we've spoken about soundtrack on the podcast before and how some of them just look like they were made to be in this film. They kind of feel seamless. Mm-hmm. They kind of, they're there, but you're paying attention to what's on the screen. I thought the, the kind of musical interludes in this almost just felt like they needed to fill two, three minutes at a time. And they would just play almost like a whole song for like an uncomfortably long period of time in between and it wasn't just once like there's three four five times where there's just kind of a break in the action and it's almost like rather than have a little transition it just goes to town and by by the third one i'm thinking i'm not sure we need quite this much i don't know if they paid the money for the soundtrack and we're, we're getting our money's worth out of this i would imagine so it's good songs in there though there are definitely but when you think of um i keep comparing it because i've been uh, looking at it uh, this week but goodfellas and i'm sure we'll speak about that soundtrack next week the soundtrack is, is phenomenal but it also just ties in with the film it's just kind of seamless this felt like i'm stopping to notice the fact that this song's playing rather than it just being like a, a piece of the film it, it just felt like there was just too many breaks where there was nothing happening while you had to just listen to this whatever they uh, wanted to play Fair. It did that that disco scene though. It just made me want to go to a disco with uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, I mean, if you if you if you make the offer, I would have done that yeah. anyway. <laughs> the tunes blaring. I think we could get you in a bit of a perm as well, Keenan. If we want to match you up with uh, Bradley Cooper in the film. I don't think I've, I've quite got, got enough hair to be going there. But yeah, I don't think I've quite got the hairline for a perm, mate. These days, if I'm honest with you. If, if you don't shave, you don't shave it for a while. Just don't cut it at all until we can uh, make this happen. I don't know if I don't think I'd perm my hair. I don't know what film is it where not to go to, not even to go to a two, show of Bradley two, Cooper. Two, two, two seconds. I can't think what it is. What what film is it where he says he's got a perm and then he just gets absolutely murdered for it? For Bradley Cooper. No, it's I can't remember what it's in. Oh, that's really going to annoy me. It's like, oh, yeah, I can't remember what it is. That's going to piss me off. It's so it, like, but yeah, getting his hair permed and people just absolutely start rinsing him for it. How recently are we talking? It's in a comedy and I can't remember what it is. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got my hair I just got my hair permed. And he's like, what is the perm? He's like, you fucking joking. And then everyone kills him for it. And he's like, no, no, I'm joking. I don't know how I'm ever going to find that. I don't that, think but... it's knocked up, but knocked up here in my head. Is it 
Is it a Seth Rogen film? I'm just thinking of people with curly hair, basically. See, I feel like I, I feel, I feel like it is. The Pineapple Express. No, he hasn't got his hair permed and that. I don't know what it is, but it is about something like that. Um, it's something like it is something like that where he plays the guy is playing like a lovable loser who's on about getting his hair permed. Ah, uh, I know what it is. What? Stew date. Can't maybe seen that once. No, it's it's that Galifian. I watched that scene with my brother. Yeah. He's like, oh, I got my hair permed, and it's the girl who's actually in. Oh, I can never remember her name, but she's in a lot of these types of films. She's like, he being fucking serious with a perm. So when he's buying weed, they stop somewhere and he's buying weed. Um, and he's like, oh, I thought you'd been fucking serious about the perm. Is it? Is her name Michelle Monaghan? No, yeah, it's not Michelle. Yeah, no, yeah, Juliette Lewis. Juliette yeah, Lewis. She's the next one on IMDb. That's it. Um, she says it. Sorry, it's just derailed us completely. That's why. Um. So, other than it being long, you, you didn't dislike the film, did you? I mean, this is every. I mean, if you read it and what that the things that you know about me, like you, you really this should be like bang on. But this, this is bang on trend. Yeah, crime film is quite oh. funny. It got a little bit, a little bit of the old mafioso in there, which I'm partial to a yeah. film or two about. Um. So, Somewhat of a De Niro derby this week. He's got his little role, hasn't he? Yeah, uncredited. Uncredited, is it? Mm, apparently I so. Feel like, do you need to credit De Niro? Like, I get that. We yeah. like, we know you're there, kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't, we don't need to look you up after. No, I get, I get that. Um, yeah, I like, I, I like it. I, I did like it. I thought it was fun. I think I'll watch it again. Just not anytime soon. No, probably sooner than you might think. The, like the cast is great. They all put in the other thing about it because we quite often do it where the cast is great, but you get an average performance. But everyone puts in everyone puts in a good turn. Yeah, there's no one that's really trying to be a show stealer. Like they're like mm. forcing their way, um, like overdoing their part. Even Jeremy Renner, who I think can be guilty of that. Is it you who hates Jeremy Renner? Yeah, I don't like him at all. I just yeah, I find him irritating. So but disrespectful. I, don't, I think he's good in this. Um, like, for I feel it should be harder to make a believable character when you look like you're playing a caricature. Like his guy, you're saying the, the dress, the hair, everything. It should be hard the to hair. take a character like that seriously. But the the hair, the, some of the hair in this is unbelievable. <laughs> it has to be said. So I don't think you should be able to take him seriously, but obviously. You still do like at, at the end when he's talking about whether he betrays him or not, and all of this, and he's trying to shoo him in in the corner of his house. So I think it. I think he's very good in this. Yeah, I actually think he's good in. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. Oh, he was bad in that. You just like no, him no. irrationally, dislike I mean, him irrationally. Sorry, but it stems from me disliking Hawkeye in the Avengers. Go. Never got kind of carried that over to him. Well, he he's just a budget Legolas. Like he has no right to be with the Avengers. Look, he's got no superpower, and he's out here exactly. putting it all Get on the line. He's putting it all on the line every day. The fact that it takes so long to like call up some other people to get involved, like, and you've got him just being a waste of space on the side with his little bow and arrow. Someone puts a shield up. He's got nothing. He's got nothing left. Literally, I don't know. Like someone wears a helmet. He's done. You're better than this. Um, it, I told you I've never liked him. 
Did you know, Jeremy, he's a musician as well? I'm going to listen to music. Me. I'm going to listen to his me. music after this. Oh, I'm definitely not going to be. Do you like Jared Lowe? Um, I don't dislike him. I think he's a weird bloke. Like, I wouldn't have him around my house for dinner. He is a weird bloke. What type of music does Jeremy Renner sing? Why is, what, what are you looking at? Sorry. I bet it's like a Verve tribute act. See, I can see it being quite indie. I'm just having a look at who he's like. Robert Downey Jr.'s got an album. I can see that, and I imagine yeah, people I see. have told him he's better than he is. Now you're backtracking, so don't like this. I'm telling you, I'm, I I think people have probably told him better than he is. I can see that he would try it. I don't think it would be good. I've never heard of any of these people that he might be. Scarlett Johnson has got some, got some stuff up. I mean, I wouldn't listen to it, but I'd probably give her more time in a day than I would Jeremy Renner. I think this is going to go... This sounds like it's going to have some country vibes. I don't know. Don't play it out loud, because then we'll be copyrighted. Mm, okay. Carrot, Carrot, I'm just I'm really interested in this now. Well, I mean, I don't want to take you away from uh, what you're doing, but in, in terms of uh, film itself, was there... A particular scene or anything that stood out to a particular character. What do you think of um, Christian Bale in this? Because obviously he's front and centre. He's Christian Bale, isn't he? I don't know. Say that. I don't mean that's a bad thing. He's brilliant. Like I, everyone. I think everyone's got their guys, and Christian Bale's one for me. That if I see he's in a film, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. It. I mean, we spoke on it before, and uh, it still weirds me out that he's from Yorkshire. Yeah, that is weird. But it stuck with me that Jack claimed that Tom Hardy had this incredible range when I maintain almost every role he plays is the exact same. I disagreed with that at the time and I still disagree with it now. You want to talk about range? Christian Bale, uh, like his range is actually mint. This is the point I was about to make. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, I was just saying that the actual difference... Yeah. In being someone like this, a, a, a character like this, where I don't really know how to explain it, but you essentially have to be able to laugh at them and still take them seriously. Mm. Like the whole thing at the start with putting his hairpiece on and having it ruffled up, you have to be able to laugh at him then, and then also have to be able to take him seriously as this like mastermind con man. Yeah. It's, very impressive. Um, maybe that's why yeah. they have such a runtime. Maybe they do have to kind of reel you in to have yeah, the yeah. payoff at the end. I meant to ask you, I'm not sure if I've ever asked you this before, but have you ever seen Vice? What, Miami Vice or? No, the film Vice. I don't think so. Oh, the one, no, the one where he literally is the vice president. He's Dick, Dick Cheney, yeah. No, I've not seen it now. May I give it a watch? That is, uh, that is a film that is... Considering the subject matter, it's a film that is far better than it should be. Kind of like the founder. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's very similar, similarish vibes. And like the Big Short, it's just a film that's much, much better. Yeah. So. Than it should be. Amy Adams is in it as well. She, I can't really work. I can't really work her out. I was about to say she's obviously very good in everything. Um, and everything she's in, but I was trying to say whether she's the same kind of character in everything she's in, but 
don't really know if that's fair or not. Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. She's in the fighter as well, so she's worked with uh, Russell before. Hmm. She is in the fighter. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I don't think she's the same. And I, 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 I think she's. I think she's quite good. Very yeah, that's fair. I think in the way that you've said with uh, Christian Bale, and in a way that I probably think with. Uh, Jessica Chastain as well, who, who I mentioned earlier, um, alongside TK. Seeing Amy Adams is kind of a stamp that it's going to be a half decent film. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she does a lot of bad. The, um, she did that. Um, the woman in the window, which is meant to be horrifically bad. I don't know what but, the fuck that is. That probably says a lot. Other, it was like a straight to Netflix job. But other than that, even when you don't like the film, it's it's usually one way you can kind of appreciate this is a good level of film kind of thing. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, no. I get, if it's I get, not to your taste, it. like you can tell that she's still being quite picky with the role. She's picked out the right thing. She was in um, Nocturnal Animals, which is a really good film, actually. A bit strange that got hardly any... Um, Kind of publicity. It's her. It's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. Michael Shannon's in it. Um, so when you again, you look Isla at that. Fisher's in it as well. To this day, I actually just get those two confused. Who? Uh, Amy Adams in Isla Fisher. Yeah. I don't even think they look that alike, other than having their ginger. Hair. Yeah, that's literally it. But what, what, do you want, what do you want from me? It's not. It's not as egregious as your Cuba Good and Junior moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was one of them where I was trying to get my head about him being invited. No, that actually wasn't him either. Um, I know, I know who they are, but I just get it confused in my head. I guess I would say Kurt Russell Amy and Jeff is in more serious films. Kurt Russell and Jeff Bridges get confused without fail. Amy Adams is probably in more serious films than Isla Fisher, isn't she? Well, I don't think that's probably. That's she definitely is. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, yeah, if you have a look. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, with with this, you've got um, Michael Pena coming in ah, as the Sheik in, in this. That scene in which De Niro is speaking to him in Arabic, I don't know how tense you found it this time around. Despite I've never seen this what before. Happened, no, I meant like it, you just watching it in general, but I found it so tense watching it back, despite the fact that I know obviously he doesn't get busted to the point where the whole thing collapses. But if I was possibly drifting before, <laughs> I was completely back in at that stage. Like, there's something yeah. about De Niro in there. Like, he's meant unbelievable. He's, he's unbelievable. Someone tried to convince, tell me that he. He does have a thing. He does play similar characters, but some sort of someone tried to 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 down talk Bobby to me the other day. I would not stand for it. No, no. Even if you're just saying about him these days, as we said when we did Dirty Grandpa, like, he's earned the fact if he wants to. Just... I think I I I think for him it's a money thing. What. Yeah, and it might be for Pacino, but the thing I like about Pacino is they they asked him once in an interview. I think I must have told you this before. Yeah, yeah. And he says about like what what what's going on? You're Al Pacino. What are you doing with some of these films? And he's like, well, what I like doing, taking a bad film and seeing if we can make it okay, or taking an okay film and seeing if I can still make it good. Didn't work with Jack and Jill. 
fucking hell. One of the worst films I've ever seen. Yeah. Cons- like, feasibly. If we take Christian Bale out here, who stands out to you the most in terms of uh, their kind of role in this film? You've got Bradley Cooper, Amy Adams, Jennifer Lawrence, Jeremy Renner, uh, your boy Louis C.K. Um, Excuse me? Um, sorry, sorry, because I say again. <laughs> your boy Louis C.K. Hmm. No, don't like that. Did you clock that the guy uh, Jennifer Lawrence sells down with is uh, Richard Harrow from Boardwalk Empire? No. Yeah, it's him. Richard Harrow is that the guy who gets shot? Who's been shot in the face? Yeah, my guy. I've never seen it all the way through, so I don't know. Oh, great character. Okay. When I was the mask on his face. Um. Yeah, of those. Who stands out to you the most? See, I really like Renner. I know you're not going to like that, but I do. No, I said I think he's very good in this. I do, I do really like Jeremy Renner. I like Jennifer Lawrence as well. I, I actually like Bradley Cooper in this to the point where I think he could be the star of the film. Okay. I think, I think he's so good. I think he probably gets more scope to show it in the film because his character probably has more ups and downs than anyone. But it all, the way it wraps up at the end, when you find out that he is the one that's been hustled all along, the look on his face when you realise everything has just crumbled beneath him is just, is just incredible. Like one of those where you know the ending and it still gives you the same payoff every single time. Just seeing the little cogs in motion and they keep going back and forth to Bradley Cooper to see his face slowly dropping and slowly dropping as he realises what's going on. Yeah, phenomenal. I mean, if we did a kind of whole scene by scene, we would truly be here all day. But that one for me, just the realisation for him, just unbelievable. Okay. Where did you stand on the on Amy Adams in this, in the way that you don't truly know if she has kind of flipped to the Bradley Cooper side. They've got the will they, won't they thing going on throughout the film. Did you think she flipped and gone over to Bradley Cooper before flipping back to Christian Bale? How no. were you? So no, you, I, I didn't. There was no it, point where you thought, okay. Not not particularly, and that's not to say for, for any reason. I don't know. Didn't, didn't quite buy it. You don't buy it in the same way. No. Uh, I I'm all in still on debating each 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 way. Um I think her character, I think she's probably one of the best of both worlds to be fair. But there we go. End of the film. Something I think this can possibly go down in the like face off level of <laughs> strange happy endings in the way that Jennifer Lawrence is kind of happy to just hand over her kid and yeah. Christian Bale and Amy Adams have a happy time because she wants to be with her mobster boyfriend. It's a reckless parenting from you on here, by the way. <laughs> I know that like, the, ba- the baby daddy is, is a con man, fair enough. That just, that, that's already happened. You then, move, then you, you introduce your kid to the mafia lifestyle. Well, the, just there's saying. a point do be- where do better. Amy Adams is discussing uh, the fact that they they truly should just run away, get out of there. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, okay, yeah, fine, we'll bring your kid. <laughs> like, it's such a hindrance 
that she should have to deal with this. Oh, fine. If you really want to bring him along, I mean, probably no. going to put a dampener on the whole thing. But no, yeah, she makes a valid point. And her kid, is it? No, but if she wants to uh, be locked down with Christian Bale, then she's got to be considering them things. Oh yeah, she yeah, the poor poor force. It's not great foresight, really. But then again, maybe she thinks maybe she she thinks that a little of him. You know, he's out here robbing yeah. and and conning people out there out of money. Maybe she can get him to drop the kid. Have you read up much on the actual scam that this is based on? Uh, no, I'm planning to after this pod. So there was one lawsuit that came out of this film. I've, I, I did actually see this bit, and it was about the microwave, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> all the things that it's, uh, she has the book in the boot, as she says, about it zapping all of the uh, nutrition out of the food. Which is, um, um that was like a common thing. Yeah. That's not them um, just putting this in. That's like no, actually, no. people thought that. But there's a book on show, I believe, in the scene that this guy wrote about microwaves and things. Uh, uh-huh. It must be a really interesting book. Um, and yeah, he took uh, issue with what they said, that they'd misquoted him, sued them. I don't know if they won. Oh, I don't know. But there we go. Um, if we have a little look at the categories... Okay. Rewatchability, I feel like we've kind of done. Covered. Yeah, yeah. What was the the best moment slash scene for you? I do like the old disco. Yeah. Um, I quite like Cooper's introduction. Yeah. It just looks cool. And he's, again, he did don't turn out too well for him, but when he comes in, it's like he's sleazy agent. He just, he don't know, he just sort of bosses the room, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very good. Um, yeah, How I about think, you? I think, for, I think for me is is the kind of clicking of everything coming together and Bradley Cooper realising that he's the one that's been screwed and then the kind of flick back through of the like, this is how we did it. I like that. It's one of the things I like about Now You See Me and other films of that kind of... Uh, methodology so yeah that that's that would be my okay i get that i do the the flashback and filling in the gaps i do i agree it's a trope that i quite like in films um yeah not quite here's one we made earlier but it's i do do enjoy it um mvp is it christian bale do you think yes sir i guess we'll uh we'll get to that if we go on to uh Jackie Brown, and then we'll... Circle on back. Yeah. Um, So, Jackie Brown. Was this your first time seeing it? I think I asked this last week. First time seeing it in its entirety. Did you watch it on Prime with ads, by the way? No. I I was a little bit... I didn't... I I, I probably should have done, really, in, in hindsight, but with sort of other things at work, etc. I've been a little bit pressed for time. Yeah. I was like, well, it's two and a, it goes on, it's a two and a half hour film. Yeah. Like, I don't, if, if it's an ad break every, if it's like every 20 minutes, like, it, like 25 so, minutes like it is, I just don't want to be, I don't want to add any more time to it. Yeah, so I watched some bit on there and they seem to have crammed all the ads into like the first hour and then afterwards they did it, but I kind of took it on the move a rare time of me breaking the film up. But um, that's annoying. I wish I'd have known that. 
Because I wouldn't, yeah. not, not, not that I begrudge paying the money. I, well, obviously I do, or otherwise I wouldn't mention it, but I don't overly begrudge paying the money for it because it wasn't particularly expensive. It, it, it was somewhat annoying, but it seemed like it, it wasn't a every so many minutes. It, it was like someone specifically had said, this is where you're going to have an ad break, like almost like where you get on the YouTube clips where, say, yeah, it's a, yeah. like a rap battle, they'll put it between the rounds. Like they've mm-hmm. never had it like in the middle of a gunfight or anything like that. So it, it, it's certainly worse. 4OD is the worst for it, where you get like three minutes of ads at a time. Mm. Um, this was like 20 seconds. Um, <sighs> should have just tested it because it was free. Yeah, so this IMDB TV is now a subsidiary of um, Amazon Prime, and they claim it's always going to be free, and they seem to have got most of the uh, Tarantino collection on there because Pulp Fiction is kind of the film they're kind of... uh, They're pushing. They're advertising the fact that we've got this. That's Mm. one they're putting out there, so that must be how they're making their money. So. So Jackie Brown then, a middle-aged woman finds herself in the middle of a huge conflict that will either make her a profit or cost her her life. What do you think the critics think about this? So when's Jackie Brown? I know you said this at the start. Go back from when did this come out? This was 97. I was going to say 96. Just after Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction's 94, isn't it? Yeah. So I think this probably gets done a disservice because of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Positive, but without being all in, is going to be my answer. Just checking out that. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction, then the TV episodes and a short, and then Jackie Brown. Mm. Um, So Quentin Tarantino puts together a fairly intricate and relatively uninvolving money smuggling plot but his cast is so good that you probably won't feel cheated. Jackie Brown is about two and a half hours long, but it zips by like a film half that length. Every second the iconic Pam Greer is on screen in her titular role as a money smuggling flight attendant is a second worth relishing. Surprisingly, Tarantino displays less confidence assembling it than he did in his earlier films. At more than two hours, it's simply too long, or at least it seems so. So very, two very contrasting views there. Loaded with all the crisp dialogue, trademark camera work and memorable characters that we've come to expect from every Tarantino film. Jackie Brown isn't the movie-length adrenaline rush Pulp Fiction was, but it deepens and broadens Tarantino's storytelling. Finally, Tarantino has once again defied the critics and produced a movie that solidly, solidly establishes him as still the most important filmmaker of the decade. And that's a review from 97. So mm. largely positive. Yeah, I would probably have done it a bit of a disservice. But I did, you did, you... No, you, there were more of the, this isn't quite Pulp Fiction, but I thought we didn't really need five, six, seven in there. <laughs> no, you're probably right, mate. Uh, I Unpopular opinion, but I think I've said this to you before and I stand by it. I still think Reservoir Dogs is a better film than Pulp Fiction. I've only seen both once, so oh. I'd probably have to rewatch two. One's in the bracket, mate. Yeah, both are. Oh, lovely. So you have to forgive me. There is 128 films. Yeah. I do. Uh, I think Reservoir Dogs is brilliant. I, I, I remember coming out of Reservoir Dogs, and I think I was probably more positive than I was Pulp Fiction. Enjoyed both, but 
Reservoir Dogs is nice to the point, isn't it, sir? My dad hates Pulp Fiction. You said that before, actually. Mm. My dad is of the opinion that, and I, I, I share this for other things, but my dad's pretty much of the opinion that people like it because they're told they have to like it. I do think, I, I mean, that, that's how I feel about The Revenant. I don't like it. It's not for me. Um, nor is The Grey. <laughs> Great film. Um, Samuel L. Jackson says this is his favourite Tarantino film. Yeah, I know that. And I don't get it. Is it the one he's got no, the most rolling? Actually, yeah. Pulp Fiction. I, I, I realise that as I said it. Um, maybe Pulp Fiction feels too obvious for him and so next up this is the one, I don't know. Um, I think a lot of what I read about this is uh, this is one of the first times when people were really calling out Tarantino for using the N-word and this and I we do this every time we do a Tarantino film so I don't want to do the whole thing again but Samuel L. Jackson was quite out there in his defence of Tarantino and the film and so maybe you defend something so much then that maybe why it's his favourite like he feels quite protective about it yeah well uh, maybe I don't, I don't maybe I mean so it was Spike, Spike Lee around this time is, is calling him out and Tarantino out yeah, but again, we're, you and I probably aren't the best people to speak on the topic, mate, let's be honest. No, I just think um, maybe that maybe why uh, you don't know why he likes it so much. Maybe that's no. why. I, I understand why he likes it. I, I, I do. I, I quite like this. I, I, liked, I like this film. I'd like the bits of it I'd seen. And I'd seen yeah. an hour or so of it. I've seen this. There's a, a scene in it that I've seen 15 times. Yeah. But just never actually sat and watched, which has always surprised me because, as you well know, and anyone who's listened to the pod for any considerable length of time, I know I really like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, the scene when Max and Jackie talk and um, Max discusses that he's had the work done on his hair um, was suggested actually by Robert Forster. Um, he'd had the surgery when his hairline began to disappear and thought it fit the character. Tarantino loved I wonder the if he's got a guy. Um, maybe yeah. I mean, he's mm. not here anymore. But no, I know. Um, Tarantino said he, he just loved the fact so much that he was willing to share that that he put it straight in the film. So it wasn't enough that he just told Tarantino. <laughs> Tarantino was like, you can tell the millions of others that are going to watch this now too. Uh, Pam Greer actually screen tested for the part in Pulp Fiction that eventually went to Rosanna Arquette. Uh, Tarantino didn't forget her, however. And uh, crafted the part of Jackie Brown just for her. Didn't forget his fucking Pam Greer, Foxy Brown. Yeah, there you go. He, he didn't it's forget not, her in the fact of her just, being in his film. Just a, like the way that's written is though it's not Pam Greer. No, I, there seems to be a thing with this film because um, Robert Forster didn't even have an agent when Tarantino handed him the script for this. Um, he'd auditioned for the uh, Lawrence Tierney part in Reservoir Dogs. And Tarantino wrote the part of Max Cherry just for him. Mm. Just makes me laugh. Like, I didn't forget her. Well, of course not. She's fucking world, yeah. world famous. Apparently, uh, so the story goes, um, Tarantino invited uh, Robert Forster to meet him in a cafe or restaurant, whatever, um, handed in the script and said, uh, this is your next job. And ah. as a guy that didn't have a job at the time, 
was desperately looking for work, he said he was happy to get anything and even happier that he was going to be in this film. So, I get that. And this thing gives him a massive boost and then his career's back on track. Yeah. Does he, he, he does this for people. He does, do, like, he, he does do it for people. It's like the, the girl who gets with the lad who's notorious for cheating on every girl that he's with because she thinks she could be the one to change him. Maybe Tarantino takes some kind of pride in, much like you said about Al Pacino earlier, like maybe takes pride in getting something out of these actors that other directors haven't been able to do previously. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, he does just he, he does like uh, the one that the one that speaks about it like to the point that he's basically in tears is um even though he's already the B is Tarantino's guy but he's Michael Marsden in the documentary about Tarantino before they released Once Upon a Time like he's basically in tears about it. he's just like this is like it basically I'm, I'm pretty sure I might be wrong so please like, don't quote me I'm pretty sure he's just, like pretty much like saved saved his life. We spoke about um, David Russell earlier in fact he had Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence. Tarantino, maybe more than others, just seems like if he trusts you, then he'll make the part fit you rather than the you having to work to it. Yeah. There's the, um, oh, I can never, ever remember her name and it's really disrespectful. Oh, da, da, da. two seconds. There's an Australian, the Australian girl who does, who's been a stunt woman for God knows how long. He put her in um, the Grindhouse film that I oh, can never remember yeah. the name of. Death Proof, thank you. He put her in that, and I think we've sort of told the story on the pod before about sort of them having to reshoot stuff because she was so used yeah. to not to hide in her face. Zoe Bell, thank you. That's, that's her name. Like she's been, like, she worked with him for. God knows how long. Like she was in, in the Kill Bills and she was in sort of this, this and that. Um, and then, yeah, and then he, he put her, put her in that as an actual, as, a, as an act, as an actor, yeah. as an actress rather. Um, so Tarantino also spoke about uh, the casting process to get Michael Keaton in as uh, Ray Nicolette, and he says that Keaton is quite um, self-deprecating, and he says he kind of comes for an audition, and then almost spends the entire time kind of telling you why he's not the man for the job and how it perhaps doesn't fit in. And he says, by the end of it, Tarantino was having to convince him and said, you're my guy. You're the guy that I need for this. And I, I do think he's particularly brilliant in this. It's, it's like this role's been written for him almost. He's, again, so he's done, I mean, he's done an awful lot by the time this rolls around. Yeah. I mean, he's been Batman for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not as though he's no uh, bit of reverse psychology. Uh, maybe I'm not your guy, Quentin. And Some of these guys work. are are quite insecure though, aren't they? That's part of why mm. they're so good at what they do. Yeah. I mean he, again he came back he came back in a way. He did he did come back in a way. Um Michael Keaton. He's he he's great in this, like he's someone where after I'd seen him a couple of scenes with him in this film, I was thinking like he could be the real star of the film when I was thinking about who we do in that sense, because he's a scene stealer in this. Just, yeah. I mean, the way, the way it's shot, I wrote down in my notes as I was watching it, 
and I don't know if this is the right way to describe it, I thought it was almost like pop art in some of the early scenes where they, there's like close-ups of things that there really shouldn't be and it's kind of really pop, popping out of you. Um, but like when he opens the cupboard and they zoom in on some like soup in the cupboard and they hold it for like a bit longer than they should, and it's almost like some things are more in focus than they usually would be. Like they don't want you to see any of the background. There's some where they zoom in so close on Michael Keaton talking that his whole head isn't even in the frame. Everything is just made, whether it's like the colours or everything around, whether it's just, I don't know, the, the, how close up and the way it's shot. Mm. Things do really jump out at you throughout this. And that was something that I took down while I was watching, particularly in the early scenes in uh, Samuel L. Jackson's uh, apartment. It's not really his apartment. No, it's fair. I, you watch these films a lot more intently than I do, I have to say. Give you I have a little notes thing down and then uh, just take it down. But that that just kind of jumps out of me, the early scenes. And I will say that the first hour, I was doubting whether I was going to get to the end. I thought... <laughs> It had all the brilliance of the standard Tarantino dialogue, but the things that really make it work in things like uh, Django, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs is it, it builds up to something. Like in Pulp Fiction, the scenes of them chatting in the car before they then go and shoot someone. Like yeah. That makes that dialogue even better. And it felt like for the first hour of this, there was all the talk and then there was no nothing really no substance at the end of it yeah and then i guess the point is it then it's... makes the last hour pop even more He's yeah a pop, but it's the old kind of uh there is something about make it um... so slow at the start sorry sorry i was just gonna say there is something about the bit the kind of like you say it might not build to as much but there is something about having de niro and samuel r jackson rolling around together that is it, to, that I is just cool. Like I like well, those two. You could sit and honestly just have them in front of me talking about talking about what that coffee's like, talk about what the weather's like, and I'd still be I'd still be intrigued. Well, apparently De Niro and Tarantino really didn't get along while shooting this. Um, I could see that. De Niro basically felt he was just not being given much to do. Like he was just kind of sat around doing nothing. He was told to mumble basically for the first half of the film and barely get his mm. words out. And he, he, he said it just wasn't what he thought he signed up for. He was just bored doing it. And he, he really took an issue with that. Uh, obviously, it works out in the end. I don't know how he, how he feels about the film now. But yeah. supposedly there was some real friction on the set. And I imagine this is, is kind of like you would see the amount of managers that get sacked at Chelsea. And it was like, you might be able to piss off uh, like Paolo Ferreira, but probably don't piss off John Terry. Um, and De Niro seems like a guy you, you want to have in a good mood on your set. Uh, yeah, you probably the amount of films right. we've done where he's had an issue. But he's an old, he's that old school, isn't he? That's what I mean. So I imagine he's someone you, you try and keep happy the best you can. Yeah, I, I get that. I do get that. Maybe Tarantino is someone that's big enough to be able to take that and not have to back down. Very possible. Um, but is he at this... Maybe he is at this point. But this point, this is where he's sort of coming... 
Reservoir Dogs sort of slips under the radar. Obviously, he's done that. He flogged the true romance bit, and he gets sort of, sort of applauded for that. Comes in to do Reservoir Dogs. Pulp Fiction escalates, and like you say, he does a couple of TV episodes, does a short. Then he does this. Is he? I don't know. We were. I was too I young. To, I, so I, yeah. we were too young to know. Yeah. Know the know the script. Um. So in in the novel, um, Jackie Brown originally Jackie Burke is actually white. Uh, Tarantino. Tarantino changed her race just for the purpose of getting to work with Pam Greer. Ah. Um, it was Samuel L. Jackson's idea to give his character the long hair and the braided goatee. Nice. Really took me back when I saw this. I spoke, uh, watched uh, Bond last night. We were walking to the car and I was saying, I'm going to go now and watch the rest of uh, Jackie Brown. And I said, uh, Samuel L. Jackson with a ponytail is really something to get used to. <laughs> it it, it doesn't look right, but it certainly stands out. I guess that's one of those things. Tarantino is probably the right guy for Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson to say it to you know. I love the idea of me having a ponytail and a braided goatee in this, and his eyes just lighting up like a braided, brilliant. a braided <laughs> yeah. goatee. That's the best part. But because it moved, it was move, it was flick when he was talking, particularly when he was angry. Yeah, <laughs> that was catching my eye. Um, how many times do you think Samuel L. Jackson says motherfucker in this film? Not a clue. 37. A record. <laughs> Fair. It's just like... So, like, I don't know if... I'm sure there are, but like... It's just so synonymous with a word. And for it to be that word as well, that's what cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have a catchphrase, let's make it. Like, why Why wouldn't it be motherfucker? Yeah. Well, they, they say it's, there was probably about 12 to 15 in the original script. But because they were given so much room to improvise on this, Samuel L. Jackson improvising, he says motherfucker as an insult. He says it as, like, a term of endearment. Yeah. He says it about, as a, like, an adjective. <laughs> like, it, it just rolls off the tongue quite literally, and that's why you end up with so many in this film. Mm. Um, no, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah. We have De Niro in this. Uh, Sylvester Stallone originally wanted to play Lewis. Nah, don't like it. And John Travolta was the first choice to play Ray Nicolette, which obviously goes to Michael Keaton. Uh, yeah, he can do it. He can, he can do it. Um, this Not marked... saying better or worse, but you, you know no. he, can, he can do it. This marked the first time that Tarantino hasn't had a cameo Um if you don't count his answering machine greeting on Jackie Brown's telephone. Um, obviously, he had roles in Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction before this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Tarantino kind of trope that you get in this is when uh, Jackie and Sharonda are in the food court at the mall making the bag exchange, one of the cups on the table reads uh, Akuna Boys, the name of the gang that's run by Esteban in Kill Bill Volume 2. They're also featured in Grindhouse in the form of an advertisement, and they're featured in Death Proof as a character is drinking on an Akuna Boy soda. So this is something that uh, Tarantino just used to squeeze into his uh, films. Nice. So I've got some Tarantino uh, a trivia question for you here. So this has the lowest body count of any Tarantino film. What do you think is second on the list? I'm not ignoring you. I'm just thinking. No, no. 
Uh, I don't know. Once upon a time in Hollywood. No, the second lowest death toll in any Tarantino film is Kill Bill Volume Two, which really? has three on-screen deaths and then several more in a flashback scene. Oh uh, yes, okay. So we've okay. both included that's still the second lowest of any Tarantino film. There you go. Okay. There's your trivia um, for this film. Um, so you like the film? Was it one that you were looking forward to rewatching? Was it better than you expected it to be? Uh, it's one not so much rewatching. It was one I wanted. I it's a film I've always wanted to sit down and watch, but just somehow never got round to it. No. So when given a, like a catalyst or given the course to watch it, I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I did like it. Yeah, I did, did like the film. Um, better than expected? No, not really. No, and that's not in a bad way. That was just, it was, from how much of it I'd seen, it was sort of exactly what I thought it was, was going to be all the way through. So so I, I knew very little about this going in. Um, mm. I had it down because I'd seen it on lists talking about kind of heist films before. Um, and so that, that was the way I was looking at it. So it really wasn't what I expected. I actually hadn't even read the synopsis, I don't think, properly before. Mm. Um, I always assumed that De Niro was the main character because the, I'd seen a still shot of him uh, on the sofa with the bong, and I thought he was the main guy. So I was quite surprised, particularly when you see uh, kind of the opening rolling credits of the film with Pam Greer walking through, and you, you get the whole song there again, much like mm. you do in uh, American Hustle. I assume maybe you were going to see De Niro at the end of that, so it was going to be handed off to him. I, I didn't really believe that she was going to be the main feature of the film even at that point even though you know that she's jackie brown yeah well just because in my head i i had it down as a de niro film because all i'd seen really was heist film de niro i thought this fits perfectly it's tarantino that's what it's going to be so i really as the film was going i didn't know what to expect so i didn't really have anything to base it off of that's fair enough. That's not always a bad thing, though. No, no. Um, as I said, the first hour really had me feeling quite down. And I was thinking, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to talk about this, because when when you hate a film, you ah. do get some kind of, like, getting it off your chest when you can complain about it, particularly if the other if the other person dislikes it as well. Um, I think I'd have found it I've far known, harder to complain. about to do that in... Uh been known to do that in uh, my time yeah exactly so I'd, I'd found it far harder to complain about Sean the Daddy it was just TK and Sean and they completely loved the film it would because it feels a bit if someone loves the film as much as I mean maybe if you really hate it but it's not fun to just basically shit all over someone saying how much they love a film while you're saying how god awful it is but now you so, make me now you make me sound like the bad guy because I've done no, that too no. Every so, film, I, almost every film on the pod that you love. I mean, that hasn't even just been two of us, so there's been other people there enjoying <laughs> yeah. it as well. So with this, I thought it was going to be a rough one coming on and basically just saying, I thought it was boring. Quite literally, I compare it to Everest with you texting me where there was almost a perfect split. But I know mm. you said you don't like splitting it, but you, you did for this film and you almost had it literally right at the tipping point and then you press play. And it was just a, like a downhill from there for yeah. the journey you were going to go on. And I thought with this, I must have had pretty much the same. 56 minutes in, 
was when I stopped watching it on my first sitting and then I continued it after. And that was just as things start then kicking in, the characters start crossing paths rather than it being essentially yeah. with each yeah, different character. They start to um, cross over each other. You, De Niro at this point starts kind of coming out of his shell a bit more. And then I was all in because I didn't know where it was <laughs> going to go. I liked there was a couple of twists, so I didn't know exactly where it was going. And then you get a lot of the Tarantinoisms towards the end of the film where you have three different people's accounts of the same scene and how it crosses over yeah. and everyone coming together finally at the end. No, I thought I thought it was very good. Um, maybe I enjoyed, enjoyed it. it more, but I had the, my expectations plummeted and then rose back up. Yeah. No, definitely. If you like, you say you said to me before we started recording that you weren't weren't exactly looking forward to going back to watching it. You were doing no. it sort of for, for the pods. Because so from the way you've described it to me, I think if you had just been watching this for for fun or just sort of for the sake of, I don't know if you would have gone back and finished it. Well, if I did, I probably would have been playing football manager, or I'd have been yeah, like, a lot less concentrated. It would have been on yeah. So when I did dip back in, yeah. I started that Squid Game, which everyone in the world seems to have done in the last uh, fortnight or so. And the fact that I'd been enjoying that so much meant that in my head, I'm choosing this over that. So this needs to be good because I want like a cliffhanger here. And so this is stopping me going back to it. And then ultimately we do get there. You do, it's really like carnage that last 45 minutes when mm-hmm. the money's in the country and then everything starts to unfold. It really does. It comes from not so no, not nowhere, but there's a lot of build up. And then once he flicks the switch, it stays flicked. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting the De Niro sex scene. Like, <laughs> like I didn't know, uh, I didn't know that was coming. I didn't really know how to feel about that. Big man Bobby getting his rocks off. It's a bit like watching your granddad <laughs> shag, I suppose. <laughs> Thankfully, I've never had to do that. So uh... no, nor nor have I. But I'm just making a point. Like De Niro's been like as someone, uh, like someone who's like liked films for as long as I can remember. Like I've seen an awful lot of the films De Niro's in. Like like an, like an awful lot, like more so than probably most other most actors, and I lo- like almost everyone. So watching stuff like that, it's like a, in Dirty Grandpa when he's about to when he's about to get a ride off Aubrey Plaza. It's <laughs> like uh, that's done obviously comedically, but even then you're like, Christ alive. Well, they do it comedically in this, don't they? They do the three yeah. minutes later, like Wolf of Wall Street. Um, the fact that Bridget Fonda is is so little as well does like De Niro looks like a, an actual a big giant. old man in this. Mm. Yeah, like that does add to it. It looks like an uncomfortable thing that like, I shouldn't be seeing this. Like, just show me De Niro pulling his trousers up and you can insinuate that this is what's happened. Does the job, though, obviously, if we're talking about it. Um, yeah. So I looked up um, Bridget Fonda after this because I thought, get a role like this, I assumed she must have done a fair bit after. And then she actually... She does a bit more after she's in the likes of like Lake Placid, um, Finding Graceland. She she actually retires from acting in um, 2002. 
gets married and then is in a serious car accident where she breaks her back, I believe. Um, she's okay now, but yeah, she basically just she she's got the money she's made from acting. She's got a wealthy husband, so she doesn't need to do it anymore. So she's happily retired. All right, uh, that's the dream. I mean, breaking the back isn't, but yeah, the rest. No, obviously, dickhead. But you get my point. <laughs> yeah, she's just happily settled down. I thought it was surprising. I was just expecting to see it kind of blossom from there. Um, I can't say I've seen a lot of the other films that she's done after to be able to assess the size of them truly, but I guess I, I don't really... I just expected there to be a, a, a bit more. Mm. Um, with the ending, to jump ahead, the way... I hate when I say the actor's name, I'm forgetting uh, what the character's name is for Samuel Jackson in this. Odell. The way he dies, what, what, what do you think about that? Because usually when you get these Tarantino face-offs at the end, they're quite drawn out. We get some witticisms. This is shows up, bang, done. So it <clears throat> reminded me of Sorry, excuse me. It reminded me of the Joe Pesci getting shot in Goodfellas. Well, you, you expect to come a big go out. <laughs> yeah, well, not 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 expectation, but if he's going to go and you think it'd be something more, like Bane. stop this nonsense. <laughs> no, that, you can't argue with that. Bane should have gone out bigger. He gets shot by a fucking cannon. <laughs> but it, they didn't make a big thing of it. Like, I don't know what else. What do you want? Someone to actually physically... Do you want him to... Someone to actually drop that, that bomb on him? I don't... Like, what, what are you after it? I wanted a catchphrase first. Um, no, it would... Like, Joe, like, when... Do you know, obviously, the scene I'm talking about, Pesci walks through the door, bang. Yeah. What, what happened? There was a problem. That's what it, it reminds me of. Yeah. I... I uh, the way she is... And I really like that scene before, where she's practising how quickly she'd pull a gun out um, and be able to do it because I've sat there and done that before with a finger gun as if I'm in the Wild West. Um, so seeing her do it, I did, I did really enjoy it. Um, particularly as you can see her kind of thinking she's not as fast as she thought she should be yeah. uh, in doing that. So I thought that was really good. And yeah, and I thought Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, he's dropped enough motherfuckers before that we could have had a few more with, with him saying, where's my money and all of this. But no, you don't get that. Bang. I guess that's probably the point of it, that it's so abrupt. But yeah. So everything that's happened before then, I guess I just expected a, a bigger deal. Fair enough. Chris Tucker in this is, where does that rank as far as cameos go for you? He's very, very good in this. Beaumont Livingston. Great name. Knowing Which... what he should know about the character, would, is, is it wise to get in the boot of the car? <laughs> I mean, it's not the it's not the cleverest thing in the world. No, exactly. There we go. So this this one is two hours thirty four minutes long. Where where does this rank in terms of rewatchability for you? I will watch this again. But it won't be any time. It, it won't. Won't. It will be quite a while away. But I think I will see this again. 
Would you would you skip any, or are you going to watch from start to finish? No, I would watch it from start to finish, right? I think if I watch again, then it'll be... Uh, I might skip some bits. Probably watch the start and then skip a bit, a bit in the middle. Um, in terms of the cast of this, it's, it's another great one. Do you see Pam Greer as the star of the show? Is it De Niro? Is it Michael Keaton? Is it Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Forster? For, for me, it's it would be Pam Greer. I don't think I've seen any of her films other than this. Okay. Have you? Yeah. I've seen Foxy Brown. I don't think I have. I knew the name, so that the name meant something when I saw it um, on IMDb. Yeah. But it wasn't for anything other than, I know your name from somewhere, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she is very good at this. Um, especially with getting the suit, as I always say. It brings power, the Emma Willis effect. And I quite like that little bit of her getting a suit and uh, a lot of people just quietly say, oh, she does look great in that suit. Mm. I've got a question on De Niro as well. If you've just found out that you've lost about 500,000 of your mobster friend's money, mm-hmm. and he says, where's your gun? It seems fairly obvious you don't tell him where it is. The answer is right here. Yeah, even then sitting calmly and watching him load the weapon, count the bullets, sit there as he's telling you just how angry he is with you and everything you've done. It yeah, it seems a bit of an oversight. Yeah, it's it's careless, but what do you do? You know you haven't got a gun. You know he has. So you got you've got to be get running right on it. Mm. In the time when he put the bullets in the gun, you open the door. And you 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 bob and weave. Bob and weave. Okay. Yeah, you duck and roll. You do whatever you need to do once you're out the car. Okay. But rather than just sit there. Yeah. No, I get that. I also don't know if I know they're coming. Like, do you know if I think he might be coming to see me? Don't even need to know. I've got a mate who's I've got a mate who's in the in the mafia. He doesn't know he's lot. He doesn't know he doesn't have the money at that stage, though, does he? No, I. But even you know, if you're De Niro's character, you know that's coming up, right? Yeah, you would think. You so. know, you know, it's 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 not exactly something that slips slips out slips out. You no. know, you know when it, the question comes up, you there's going to be a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. When I think that, if I think there's an out chance, out outside chance that my murderous friend might try and kill me, I'm probably going to have a gun a bit closer to me. Yeah, you know, I got to tell him some really bad. In front of the seat that he's going to sit in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I I mean that. That's that's close to me. So uh, it's on the off chance. I mean, in truth, I'd probably have the gun visible right next to me when I tell him. Yeah. Make, you, make, put him, as we were talking about poker earlier on, as they say, put him to a decision. Yeah. You, you said earlier that you'd be quite happy to just watch scenes with Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Robert De Niro. And I do think the best scene in the film is uh, Ordell asking if he uh, slept with Melanie. And De Niro saying, well, is she your girlfriend? And I felt sufficiently guilty in case she was. And the two of them laughing between it, and that's just classic Tarantino 
dialogue there. Just that scene. Yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? It's some of the um, I don't know for all the wonderful violence and in Tarantino. Sometimes it's the not quite mundane, like talking talking about conversations about shagging your mates' messes, but like for some of the smaller things, it really is what causes some of the fascination. Well, he, he spoke, and I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but he spoke when he was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was asked about kind of what he's known for with uh, the dialogue in his films, and he said, like, we're supposed to believe that these guys just talk about, like, menacing schemes 24-7, like... Yeah. You know, they, they talk about what was on TV the night before. They talk about... Yeah. Do you remember that baseball game back in, like, 76? Yeah, the like, same way if talking... you're trying to humanise these people, the, the quickest way to do it is to have to them talk them... about the same things that we do. Yeah, it's to make them have everyday conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, Pulp Fiction is obviously one of the best examples of him doing that just with the car rides between uh, uh, him and uh, John Travolta. But yeah. you, you've got some gold in this one, particularly that scene. Yeah, no, no Absolutely. So I think that, that's when that is my favourite scene of the film. That's one that immediately I was like, yeah, this 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 is gold. Fair. Um, back to our categories. Oh yeah, what what's the best moment slash scene for you? I'm not too sure. Him dying, I actually really like the build up and stuff. Who De Niro or Samuel L. Jackson? Samuel L. Jackson, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I was I completely forgot we just had a full conversation yeah. about De Niro then. Um, I the actually, light on. Yeah, I, I actually really like it. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I'm trying. I am just trying to think. I think that might might win it for me, you know. But the whole, like, as I say, the before. Um, yeah, the sort of the thing with Forster as well before. Um, I, th- I think I'll give it that, mate. To be honest. Who's Oh, I was going to say who's the MVP. I think it's quite clear who it is in this film, to be fair. Um, <laughs> one who escapes with the majority of the cash and goes abroad to live live their life. Yeah. Do you want to do the judging? Because we've got a bit more to discuss this time around. If you wish. Yeah. Um, which film did you prefer? American Hustle. I agree. Which film do you think is more rewatchable? American Hustle. Uh, what's the best moment slash scene for you? Um, I don't know. Sorry, it's just it's quite hard. This is even I'm just reading my yeah. notes just to see if my any of my deranged sentences give me an answer. Um, I will go for I will go for Samuel L. Jackson dying in Jackie Brown. Yeah, I've gone for um, Jackie Brown as well in this this scene that I just referenced. So. Fair. Best quote. We haven't really touched on quotes, have we? No, um, I think other it than Jackie the, Brown for me. Other than referencing Samuel Jackson saying motherfucking 37. My ass may be dumb, but I ain't no dumbass. <laughs> and after he shot De Niro, let's see. What the fuck happened to you, man? Shit, your ass used to be beautiful. Yeah, I do, I do like that. Um, best quote. There's some that we can't say. No, I'll be honest. We're not. We're not. We're not going to say that. Uh, I do like Jackie Brown shouting, "Shut your raggedy ass, ass up, and sit the fuck down." I like the few times that um, Winston was on screen and, and basically he's just there to say, 
Well, that's what I do. How did you find him? What I do? I think he has about ten lines in the film, and five of them are bad. I uh, I do like man. You must be out of your fucking mind. You think I'm going to get in this dirty, dirty ass trunk? Um, although he does get talked, he does get he does get talked into it. Half a million um, dollars will always be missed. Yeah, that's. I thought that when um, the thing popped up saying that uh, Zuckerberg's worth had dropped by seven billion on Tuesday night, <laughs> and then uh, Brad said, "I think uh, it's still worth about 181. Seven billion is still seven billion. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, 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 it is true. Whilst it's not the difference, but it's not life or death for him." I can't imagine him smiling, being like, ah, oh, seven. No, no. Sound. I think the other one I wrote down actually was uh, Ordell saying to Melanie, you know, you smoke too much of that shit. That's going to rob you of your ambition. And she says, not if your ambition is to get high and watch TV. <laughs> Which for a lot of people, of for a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, for American, for now that I know about the lawsuit, uh, I told you not to put metal in the science oven becomes yeah. infinitely more funny. Um, Lewis explaining why he shot Melanie. He said she's been such a pain. She was late for the pickups because she locked herself in the bathroom getting high. She was nagging and complaining. She wouldn't shut up. So. Even as you're reading that to me, I can't help but hear it in, in De Niro's voice. We've been told we sound very similar before. Um, I think De Niro has spoken about that. And then just getting a beer from the fridge afterwards. After he's uh, dealt with Melanie. Mm, it's a cool guy. Doesn't go back for seconds. That three minutes was enough for him. When you're offered a favour or money, take the favour, not the money. Jesus said that, didn't he? Yeah, I guess uh, with the Tarantino film, there's always going to be... A few quotes. You know. So I was just reading from my notes on American Hustle, the one I like as well. Uh, I'm, like the, I'm like the fucking Viet Cong man. All right, I'm in and I'm out. I was there the whole time. You don't know it, right? That's the fucking art of becoming somebody who people can pin their beliefs and their dreams on. Did Bradley Cooper say that in this? No, Christian Bale. Uh, Bradley Cooper does have uh, who you are is who you are between you and God, you and your soul. That's what matters. That's what counts. That's what I'm about. That's what I see in you. When um, the uh, Paco Hernandez says, uh, I think the name of this operation is offensive. Abscam, Arab scam, it's racist. <laughs> uh, what are you, K? You're Mexican. <laughs> see the thing is you I don't know you maybe don't get that these days but in the 70s again like that, that is genuinely what, what will be the case yeah I mean both both do have a lot of great lines um, I meant to mention actually how good the scene is in American Hustle where uh, DeMarzo Bradley Cooper thinks that he's obviously got everything spot on at this point and he's dancing around the office as they're having the party. And his colleague that he's been roughing up, like boss he's been roughing up throughout, um, is sat in the corner of the sofa. And then he starts imitating him afterwards. And he left the room and he's just, despite you can't hear him, so you've got the music over the top. His laughing and his impressions hmm. just so good. Even better than when you know what's coming afterwards. Yeah, fair. So, yeah, it'll be Jackie Brown will be the winner for best quote for me. Yes, sir. I agree. MVP across the two films. It down to Christian Bale and Jackie Brown. Uh, which are you taking? Christian Bale. I'm going Jackie Brown. Okay, I get that. Best side character. 
really tough category. I don't really know what we're calling a side character in American Hustle. I feel like Bradley Cooper could be too much to be a side character. Yeah, oh, Amy Adams was going to get a shout from me, but I also, again, think so. I, yeah, I think there's like a big three in American Hustle. Like, yeah. Adams, Bale. And Bradley Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, I mean, Renner, I really like. Yeah, he's um, very good in this. Uh, Jennifer the Lawrence, as, side character. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. But it's the same in Jackie Brown. A little, no? Obviously, it's not Pam Greer, but there are a couple yeah. that maybe. Like Samuel Owens, he's, he's in it. You really class yeah. it. I mean, he, he's he's incidental, obviously, and he's not I don't know how, Jackie Brown. I don't know how the minutes would add up because I'd say that like uh, Cherry is a side character, but I would say that like De Niro is more of a main character. So I don't really know. Um, yeah, I'd probably go for Jennifer Lawrence in this. I, for the avoidance, of, see, but I don't want to do that because I do, do do Jackie Brown a disservice. Because I was going to say for the avoidance of that, the one that I know is definitely a side character and I really like is Jeremy Runner. But there are characters that I prefer over and that may be a side character in Jackie Brown. You pick what you think is a side character. I won't be uh, flagging you down. All right. Which is it would be Samuel, Samuel Jackson. So the the one I added for this one is it's uh, Battle of the Heist films. Which film do you think has the better heist crew? Uh, American Hustle. I agree. But if we just look at both, so in terms of the heist crew, you've almost got to include Michael Keaton and Jackie Brown, haven't you? Because he kind of facilitates it happening just to be able to take it down on the other side. Yeah. You've got Melody in there, De Niro, Mr. Cherry, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, that it's it's more chaotic. I know that's is, yeah. sort of the point. But in terms of a crew and what you've put together then it, the answer is American Hustle. So, oh, granted, the, granted, the film is more purpose-built towards that, but that doesn't yeah. sort of stop the answer for the question. No, no, I agree. The point of Jackie Brown is that it, it is chaotic, and obviously the point of American Hustle is that they are these people, this is what they do. Yeah. For what it's worth, Jackie Brown does get away with more. Yeah. She'd argue she gets off with no kids, so she probably gets a bad deal as well. <laughs> Better deal than Amy Adams. Mm. Um, she pulls off one of the biggest hides possible and is still doing the school run. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go home or do you want to go to jail? Yeah. Um, best soundtrack. Oh, this is a fucker. It is. It really is. Um, I lean towards Jackie Brown because I think the songs fit the scenes better I don't remember who uh, the Delphonic so that song that just keeps playing throughout the whole film mm. I actually quite like that scene actually after he's heard it in uh, Jackie's house and then he's going to the record shop to pick out the cassette himself mm. have you heard the story about um, Tarantino and I can't remember what song it is but yeah, it's in. Uh, it was for Kill Bill. We did it on here, where he is in the airport and he has to pay for in oh, the yeah. record shop. Sorry, he has to pay for the CD. Yeah, yeah, oh, that was for Kill one. Bill One. Mm. Just having a look at the uh, American Hustle one there. Um, Delilah, Tom Jones. Yeah, some Duke Ellington in there. Mm. Makes me think of Big Mac. Uh, I know what that is, but I've never 
really watched it. I tried. The, ghost, the ghost of Duke Ellington is in uh, the attic. Um, what? Yeah. Um, so Martin John in there. Yeah. Yellow Fever, isn't it? Yeah, you got Paul McCartney in there. A lot of Jeff Lynne. Yeah. Some Led Zeppelin in there as well. Yeah, it's Jackie Brown for me. The, I've had the, that song from the Dalphonics in my head all day. What would be your pick? Say Jackie yeah, Brown. Jackie, yeah, mate, yeah. Um, which film is more original? Jackie Brown. Yeah. On the basis yeah, that that's that's their original work. Granted, whereas one is taken from, based on a true story sort of thing. One's from a book, one's from a true story. Hmm? One's Jackie Brown's yeah. book. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the only one of um, Tarantino's films that isn't original source material. Yeah. Wait, um, did you said that this evening? Or did this I think I referenced to be in a book because uh, I said she was white in the book. and then You did. Yes, yeah, sorry. Miles away. changed it. Um, but yeah, I haven't said much in it because uh, Michael Keaton uh, reprises his role briefly in another film by another director, but in the same series of books. Oh. Kind of like uh, US Marshals to The Fugitive, hmm. but with a lesser role. Oh. Um, bigger impact is got to be American Hustle, hasn't it? Do you think? I mean, it turns out solely on the money. But, and just, I think more people have probably heard of American Hustle than Jackie Brown, I would say. I would argue Jackie, Jackie Brown. No, I would argue Jackie Brown lets Tarantino become Tarantino because it is a success. It's a, for what they spend, it is a commercial success. And also, sure. in terms of um, inflation and what was deemed a success, 78 mil or whatever, 70, whatever it made against his budget is is a good outcome. And then he goes on to make Kill Bill. And then he goes... So I think he makes Kill Bill regardless. He's already had a success of Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Well, if this flops... No, I don't. My reason for taking American Hustle would be, I think more people, if I asked if they've heard of both, I think just about it would be American Hustle, whether they'd seen it or not. Um, I think Jackie Brown has the unfortunate uh, place of being buried by the other Tarantino films, which I think probably Dude, goes against it in that regard. Mm, okay. I won't, I, won't, I wouldn't argue. I won't argue. I, I think if we did a kind of... In terms of importance, in culture, like impact across the board, Jay, you're probably right. But in terms of in film, then I think it's it'd be Jackie Brown. So which one are you picking? Uh, because you've, you and I have both berated Sean for this before, I have to go give it to American Hustle. Berated Sean for his MVP, yeah. You also yeah, did. You also did him for uh, impact a couple of times as well. The the impact ones was when he said, and I quote: "If we take the worldwide, I know, yeah, out of it, and it was South Park movie to Four Lions, like it was something mental. Mm. Um, best opening scene. Will you give me the credits, out of Jackie Brown?" Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's the opening scene. Cool. Yeah, that's the answer. Her, her working through the her walking through the airport is genuinely the first thing I think of when I think of this film. Yeah, compared to that strangely long one of Christian Bell doing his hair. Mm. Um, so yeah, I agree. Um, 
best ending. Jackie Brown. Agree. Best chemistry. The American Hustle for me. Yeah. Maybe for the summer parts. No, I get that. I, 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 I get that. I, I think you're right. Let me add this up. So Jackie Brown progresses 7-5. Hmm. feel close. Yeah. And goes through to the next round. So that's the first dip into uh, a heist uh, section. Next week, we go into, well, I guess technically, a film where there's a heist involved. As it is Goodfellas against Kidulthood. There's two hoists involved, just for a record. No, no, in Goodfellas. Oh, okay. Well, you meant two for next week. I meant it's only going to be a heist goes heist. Um, So, yeah, there we go. Um, Goodfellas against Kidulthood next week. Big week. We'll see who's uh, on. You know, two people that will be there. Um, We'll see who else joins us. Anything you want to say before we sign off? Oh no! Oh no! No no no! Other than, <laughs> oh, other than, who would be us too? I'll we'll talk a lot there. about. I'll talk a lot about Goodfellas. Um, strap yourself in. Might be a long pod, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Byron will no, no doubt try and ruin it because it seems to enjoy, really? enjoy. You seem to enjoy annoying me about this film. Oh, this is a misunderstanding. But thanks again for listening <laughs> to another edition of Movie Badness. We'll be back next week.